Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for joining Prayer Hour. We're being recorded now, so I wanted to... Welcome to Happy Hour. Get that on the record. <laughs> you know, like it matters. Right. <laughs> oh Lord, Dennis, how have you been? First of all, welcome oh, to Happy Hour. Peace thank you. Hour. I'm pleased to be here. I'm, today was the first day of taking a vacation from my vacation. Nice. And I worked construction, did a little paperwork, paying the bills a little bit, and then mm. taking my daughter's deck that's 12 feet wide and making it only 8 feet wide. Or <laughs> actually, 16 feet wide and making it 12 feet wide. She's lopping off the front half of it to plant some additional lawn. Okay. The deck juts out funny in the little space it's in. So. Too, too big. Too much, yes, too big. So I cut away in one big cut. One big and just karate chop. Lop the deck right off. Just about every supporting beam. You deck lopper. I had look like two decks. Then I huh. cut that in half so it looked like three decks. It looks like the Titanic. Did you shuffle the decks then? Hey, don't be a dick. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't the poop deck. There were funny things under there and my poor granddaughter, she, I didn't, I thought she was all excited about this. And when she came home, she was crying real tears when she was so unhappy. And she looked at her mother and she says, I don't like change, mommy. I liked it the way it was. Yep. And uh, I looked at Meg, I said, you didn't discuss this with her? And she said, we did, we forgot. I'll make sure she doesn't blame it on you. <laughs> nice. So we ended up playing on the decks I duck caught. And sure. thank goodness we found a little monkey animal underneath the deck. That was one of a set of five, apparently, according to the tag on it. Mm. But it was dirty, of course, being under the deck, a little furry critter. Filthy little monkey, monkey, deck monkey. So I said, oh, a monkey. And she said, Grandpa, is it a spider monkey? Yeah, and she I did. And I said, I looked at her and I said, how did you know about that? And she looked at me and she said, happy hour podcast, Grandpa. Right. I said, uh-oh. uh-oh. It's, we are, our ratings in preschools are just through the roof. Yes. That, that's our prime yes, demographic. Through the ceiling. That's because of stories like this. Heart- and... The only problem is four-year-olds don't have a lot of liquid income to donate to our Patreon. Milk their parents. Yeah. Yeah. They really need... Hey, look. You have to do Listeners, is, tell oh, your yeah. parents to go to patreon.com slash happy hour. Yes. Write that down. Four years old. They should be able to write by now. Big block capital letters. <laughs> do they look and you say, are there any other kind? Type it into your mommy's computer. Get your mommy's credit card. So I, I went to go see my brother's vacation. I drove to State College, PA to see Joe. Tell me all about it. Brother... Brother Timmy met us there, brought with him. These are the brothers that you were, like, shipping frozen fish around the country with. My brother fishing to us, and I I created the the, uh, shipping crate. Right, I I remember that. Took up at least two episodes to describe how I made it. A duct tape, just beautiful shipping container, styrofoam. Have you heard back from the patent office on that? Jeff Patton? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) His office. So we drove to State College. So he had some uh, Soldier Pony bourbon, which I'd never had. Soldier Pony. And you mentioned uh, that we talked about Soldier Ponies. 
the way we talked about it in a different context. That was what what Joe Biden had called wow. uh, a yes. heckler. Yes, we did. Okay. Listen up, you little soldier pony. And we thought it was a horse and an Indian. And I thought they called the Apaches who were horseback riding warriors soldier ponies. And Wait. I was wrong about that. I don't know what you said, but. Pony soldiers. Pony soldiers. I have it reversed. But the bourbon is, in fact, soldier pony bourbon. Biden's pony lying dog faced pony soldier moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> So we had that, and I had some of this, and Joe's uh, son, Big Big Mac. So I hate to, to correct you in real time, but I bet you it was called Horse Soldier. The bourbon? The bourbon, yeah. Instead of Pony Soldier. Yes. I think you're right. I can see how you could get them confused, but... It's expensive. I've obviously conflated at least three stories so far. I wonder, what the, wonder what the max would be. I'm like Eve. I've got 13, uh, 13, uh, 13 storylines. You're like who? Thir- Eve? Eve. Of, of Genesis? No, Eve of, of the the woman who had 13 personalities that became uh, famous. Okay. You don't I, know about this? I missed that. I remember in the late 80s, there was a multiple personality disorder was a common trope on, you know. Well, this room. was a real life situation that may in fact have prompted that. Okay. Uh, anyway, his son Mac shows up and works in a brewery. He's got four ice cold six packs. Oh, Mac. Three different kinds of beer that they sell in cans. They pump out 39,000 cans of beer. On the wall. Every couple of hours. This is how big the place is. Damn. So he sets down, and I look at one of them's an IPA. I said, I'm not IPA. I'm not. Amber would be nice. And then the next one's an IPA, and I thought, not an amber, a lager. And sure enough, they had a lager called Blue Stripe. Okay. And State College, Penn State, is white and blue. So the can, of course, is white and blue and the blue stripe, et cetera. Nice branding. Nice. And damn, if it doesn't taste like red stripe, which is a Jamaican beer. <laughs> I That's it. a lager to me. I, I think I would qualify that as a lager. And I loved it. I got so, to know red stripe uh, when I I came home from Denmark, where I learned to properly drink. And I discovered that all of the domestic beer in the States is just crap. And, and at that point, there weren't like... 400 different beers in the supermarket aisle there are now. You got your Heineken, your Guinness, and Red Stripe was one of the imports that I could buy. So I got to know Red Stripe. I'm happy on that note. There's a a brewery called Bowl Mornin. Bowl Hornin. Bowl? B-O-H-L. Bowl. B-O-H-L. Bowl Hornin. H-O-R-N-I-N. Since 1987. Anderson Valley Brewing Company. And this is something I pick up today called Bunt Amber Ale. Look at the picture of the animal on the the can. You see it? That is a bear with deer horns. Elk horns. Elk horns, excuse me. Elk horns. That apparently is a Bunt. So what now? I think. What do you think? Yes, the can says Bunt. I don't know. That's a Bunt. That's the kind of an animal it is. Bunt. Okay. Sounds Swedish. Look it up. See if it's a foreign word for something. Come it's on. It's the name of this beer. Get to work. It's the name of this beer. I've looked it up already. That's Ballhorn it? and Boont. Doesn't... Hmm. Remember yeah. it's a Greek wedding? The Boont cake? Yes, indeed. Boont? She couldn't pronounce Boont. Bunt. So what sort of hijinks besides stuffing... So, 
body with poison did you uh, get up to? Oh, we took a walk down through the grounds of State College are, could be described this way. It's one of the most beautiful forests I've ever been in, and all scattered throughout the forest is the university. I have never seen more glorious trees of all kinds, all stripes, and all huge hundred-year-old trees that I have never seen anything more recent than 25 or 30 years in, in these trees. And the ones that I have in my memory bank are 25, 30 feet tall, okay? In State College, the same trees are 60 feet tall. And this is at which, they, which state? Penn? Pennsylvania. State yeah. College, Pennsylvania. Penn State is the university. Yeah. So it's just a college for Ewoks or something? It's, it's a land It's you know, so you're trying to be funny, but it's not funny. It's a land-grant college. Right. It's an agricultural school. And you shouldn't be making fun of higher education as if it's something to, that can be funny. It's not funny. This forest isn't funny. It's not funny. You're not funny. You're well, <laughs> not I'm being funny. I'm being funny, but you're not. Hey, I went so, to a state college. I, I which get one? That. North Carolina. State? Your state, huh? Wolfpack, baby. Yeah. So while you were still in high school, I was cheering them on, and they won the final four. The heart attack. Jimmy pack. V. Jimmy V. We've talked about that before, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I've got a friend that used to work at a bar named Jimmy V's. Which is oh, that's fun. Good. He's a great guy. His, his story, uh, too, is about how he wasn't accepted by the Blue Bloods at Duke and North Carolina, Italian guy on the outs. Not a golfer, maybe it was one way to put it, whatever. <laughs> he wasn't prone to cardigans. He was prone to more to sweatshirts and jeans. But anyway, he became beloved. Yeah. when he And they ended up just saying, in spite of what pricks we were, he was the best guy, best guy ever. So that's fun. And so Dean Smith was there when I was there. I'm sure he was there when you were there yep. at Chapel Hill, North at UNC. Yep. He left, and Kansas's old coach took over North Carolina, Williams, and he announced retirement. Roy Williams. Roy, yeah. Anyway, you don't care about any of this, but <laughs> it's fascinating that triangle basketball is the best I think in the country between with the competition between those three teams. Yeah, when, when I was there, uh, NC State was no longer really a member of the triangle. But yeah, both I mean, like there were many years when they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Oh, oh, I see. So, however, there were many. They were the win- many of those win- years. Both UNC and Duke were in the Final Four. So, right. Um, so they didn't. The, well, Fabano's year was unusual in the history of NC State. Right, which is what makes you it know, special. Part of what makes it special, sure. But they have recently they got back in the NCAA tournament. I want to say two years ago. I cannot. You don't. Know, you don't even. You don't follow. You don't send them money. You don't you don't do, you don't go to the reunions you don't so I'm going to my high school reunion after 50 years what do you think of that that's fucking crazy I saw a news article that Joni Mitchell's blue turns 50 this year oh or now. when this year yeah like they're oh. writing articles about it so there's that so do, yeah I haven't seen my high school comrades for 50 years and I've got I don't, I've never gone to a reunion because I didn't like most of them I didn't I had and what changed and, I'm going back. Yeah. A couple that I like called me and said, hey, we'd love to see you. Nice. And I thought, this is it. Because after 50, yeah. people are going to die of flies <laughs> if they haven't already. <laughs> I might die of flies. And that saying, die like flies, how long do flies live? Days. Not long. Yeah. Days. Not like a 
a mosquito or a gnat. They live like a day. And my, my, I'm at 25 for high school. When you were my age, I was graduating high school. I guess we could say. Huh. Crazy. Speaking so of the, ins- do the math. No, no. I do the math on it. No. Speaking of the NCAA, did you see the the Supreme Court made a decision that at least opens the door for NCAA athletes to make money? I did not see it. Tell me about it. That's about all I know about it. I know that it's been a big it, it's been a big a big issue because it's like John Oliver did a whole thing on it oh, did a, a couple years ago where it's basically when I use the the word slavery too lightly, but it's because they it's, are it's, prohibited it's, from uh, making it's money servitude servitude it's yeah servitude. and they if they make money then they if they accept some payment then they're like kicked off the team and meanwhile they also don't get to control the rights to their likeness being used in video games because they make video games about the college players and they make the university millions upon millions millions, millions. potentially billions as a class of, billions, the, yeah. of, of plaintiffs then they, it's billions. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. not annually, but over years, it's billions. Over the course of a four-year cycle, it's billions. Yeah, for sure. And so, so anyway, they, I forget the exact, I didn't actually read the court case, I just saw the headline, but it's been a point of injustice in the U.S. Yes. system for some time. You don't seem particularly well prepared. Didn't you get the... Memo. I'm just reading from the script here. Doing it your sound like I'm not prepared, but it, it's what the writers that's, from the writing room came clever. up with. That's nearly, that's our writing staff. You, that's as clever as you've been for weeks. <laughs> so it's I just say what's on the page here. And well, let me tell you, continue with the State College story. So Mac, who brings over the case of beer, he says, hey, come out and see me tomorrow. Sure enough, comes to be 4 o'clock. We pack up and drive 20 minutes outside of State College to a little town called Belafont, which of course I want to call Belafonte. Yes. But I, I, I refrain. And we come across, we cross over this very fast stream. It was too narrow to be a river, but it was moving fast. Cross over this bridge in the country, and alongside the creek is a old iron factory that <laughs> melted iron and made it use plastic molds to make all sorts of things farm implements, the carriages for pistols, whatever's made out of metal that you can imagine that the way they make it is that they mold it. They don't chisel it (laughs) like a gun handle. And uh, so they bought up this place and it holds 670 people. That's... It has a bar that kind of roils like almost snakes like the creek that it's next to. Right. And there's got to be... 50 chairs at the bar. Then here's the amazing thing. So it's a long building and it faces the creek, which, as I mentioned, is quite fast. That side of the old foundry is now halfway, like at waist high, garage doors that they open up above picnic tables. And each picnic table looks out into the real world. And there's a little boardwalk out there that goes alongside the building, but it's right alongside that loud gurgling stream. That row of garage doors is probably 30 or 40 yards long. There's probably eight or nine of these garage doors and every one of them with a picnic. Then the other keep going down the gangplank. Those garage doors open up to the sack game called cornhole, which is unfortunate. And a long full shuffleboard table. 
but enough space for two cornholes next to each other and the shuffleboard and and then outside awnings and then a food truck. Nice. And they sold maybe 20 homemade brews, including, of course, Blue Stripe, which nice. now is on draft. Nice. So we played shuffleboard and we played cornhole and uh, we ate. And uh, there was Mac bartending away. Nice. So the, they took all of the lumber which when you walk upstairs, among other features, since it's got 60 feet, 60 foot high ceilings, which is three stories plus. Damn. Okay. You walk up a set of steps built on iron and the steps are about four feet wide. Walk up the steps, go to a landing and then. The steps are four feet wide? Yes. Sis, my favorite sister-in-law right here. (laughs) Bringing me my beer. That's a good sister-in-law. That's a good sister-in-law. And. Speaking of Sam Adams, the old standby. And so here's the point I'm making about the steps. They were at least three feet wide, but very wide. And the ironworks were new steel, perfectly built with steel railings. But the wood they used for the span of step, which it it certainly was three feet, was a true two by ten board. True meaning really two inches by ten inches. Not what today's lumber cuts is, which is two is one and a quarter. Right, you mentioned this, and it blew my mind, where I was like, what? Numbers don't mean numbers, what? But back in the day, before they created those standards. And so that's what each step is. And it's oak. Mm. It's oak. Each step right now on the market, $160 for a board. Damn. Well, a board, which could be a step. It could be lots of things. It could be whatever you want it to be, Eric. Don't contain yourself. Don't just... Don't think of a don't think of a step as a step. Think of it as a board, another opportunity. Think about it as something other than just something you step on. Think I mean, about I'm it as board it's right a, now. But it's a, and given you're only three foot tall, that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I love. Old when you get like up that. there, when you get up there, that's what the floors are made out of. And against the wall, you're walking up the steps. There's a huge expanse. It's got eight or 12 tables there, four tops. To the right is a whole other bar. To the left is a freak thing you walk out on, a, what do you call it, a balcony that holds 14, 15 tables with steps over the river that goes down to the gangplank. But straight ahead, when you walk off the steps 20, 30 paces to get to the other side, is a wall of glass that Ooh. goes all the way up to the ceiling, which is still 25, 30 feet high. And on that wall, on the other side, all of the warehouse has been gutted the factory's been gutted, and there sits uh, four or five huge brewing vats. And yeah. all of the brewing is done where you can watch it from up above in that glass. Thing. And, and that's two-thirds of the building. Do you remember the name of this venue? Uh, yes, Axelman. Axelman Brewing Company. Axelman. In Belfont, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm looking at the map at Belfont. Axeman. Looking up and down the Axeman. river. It's new, very new. Axeman. Axeman. Look up Axeman. He must have chopped all that wood. Pete's Pickled Peppers is next door. You might look that up, too. X-Man. X-Man Brewery. X-Man Brewing Company. Oh, you're way down there. Wow, that is a huge building. Okay. You see it? You're way out of... It's way out of town. I was looking more in in town along the river. But, oh, yeah, there's photos from inside. X-Man. Yeah, That's nice. Yeah. And good. See the glass wall. Good, some good branding. The beer was good. I was really happy. I there was a, the Blue Stripe medium, and they had what ends up to be a, a more stronger lager. That's called Auger. Auger Lager. X 
X-Men. Locker and Locker. X-Men. And that was good. That had a little red tint to it. Nice. So we were there. We did that. We ate here and there. My brother cooked up some fresh rainbow trout, fresh frozen rainbow trout that he had caught, put that on the grill, soaked that shit in Italian dressing and threw it on the grill. And Yeah, baby. Nice, firm little cake of fish, no bones. He knows how to, he knows how to clean a fish. He cleaned I don't. those 16 yellow pike we caught. I didn't tell you that story. Next day, we go out, go to New York. We leave State College, go to New York, go to my brother's house. Brother says, all right, we're getting up at 6 o'clock to go fishing. 5 o'clock, we went to bed about 11.30. Oh, no, 5 o'clock comes around. He's making coffee. I'm up. All right, what's going on? We load the boat, blah, blah, blah. He's got an 18-footer that he's been reconditioning, outboard motor, get her loaded up, leave. He wants to be gone by 6. We're out of there exactly at 6 o'clock. Nice. Get to the lake. It's choppy. That's all right. Load her up. Go out in the lake. We almost get to where we're going, following the cliffs of Lake Erie between Buffalo, New York, and Erie, Pennsylvania, going north. So the land is on our left. Canada is on our right. Lake Erie, big body water, going north, cliffs, cliffs. Get to a place where I know, which is the golf club. And he the what says, club? This is the golf club. Golf club. The Shorewood Golf Club. And he says, this is the point. And from here... That point, when you look at the cliffs, there's a point pointing at you. That point continues as a reef, and it goes out into the lake hundreds and hundreds of yards. And on either side of that reef, it's 65 foot deep. But as you climb up the roof, it gets to be only about 35. So it's a big hump in the water. So people were fishing up down the reef, catching one, catching two. And Timmy, Hooter, the skipper, the boss man, the man, the do what he says, do what you can, do what he says, because that'd be the man. That's Tim. Yeah. He starts crossing the, the point, you know, crossing the uh, the reef, right. going against the grain, not with it. Uh, and every time we turned around, a reef crosser. to go the other direction, every time we turned around, we caught two and three fish at a time. There's only three of us in the boat. We've got four rods, two off the back that are out far, and then one in each of our hands with a big five-ounce weight that takes it right down to the bottom. Thump, 30, 40, in this case, 50 feet deep. Thump, and then about two foot higher than that that sinker, that five-ounce weight, yeah. up on the line, going this way, going horizontal to the bottom of the lake, yeah. is a two-foot leader that has a twirly thing on it that makes red and silver, and then hanging off that, two hooks with a great big worm hanging off those two hooks twirling with light twirling like flickering yep and on the bottom you got the pole in your hand and you lift the pole and you drop it and you feel that weight hit the bottom bump bump and every time you do that up and down goes that leader with right. that lure and that worm so the worm looks like it's moving through the water like a motherfucking snake up and down i'm getting hungry just down. yes you would because <laughs> you are pisces and then Boom! A fish will hit it. So that weight, the fish takes the line and the weight, and suddenly, in your right, in my, in my case, my right arm, it's going and it's taking out line. Mm -hmm. And then you reel that in. One time, I reached for the pole in the back of the boat, which there's a fish on it because it starts to jump and bow, and it's obviously when you're looking at the tip right. of the pole that's standing straight up. The fish is on. You grab it. It's already hooked. There's two hooks. Right. They're hooked. And so I had that one in my left hand and handing the one that I was fishing down at the bottom because that was my job and to watch right. the one in the back. I was about to hand 
the bottom feeder to my brother and when I bumped it I caught a fish on it so I had a fish in my right hand pulling zzz, zzz, and a fish on the back two poles two fish handed off the one to my brother so I could reel in the other one the one that caught off the bottom had two fish one on each hook damn it's two birds with one stone or in this case two, two fish, fish with, with two one hooks. worm well, that's true. One worm over two hooks. That's true. And uh, Fisherman, you caught two fish with one worm. One of the fish was about two and a half inches long, and it was called a goby. Oh. The other fish was a 17, 18-inch, what we used to call yellow pike, but now we call walleye. You'll see them in the supermarkets as walleye. Is, is yellow pike racist now or what? No, I don't know. Back, you know, it wasn't too long ago when there was a move by the fish industry to rename a bunch of fish that sounded better to eat. Instead right. of a blowfish, it's now called this-will-taste-good fish, or something of that nature. A yummy fish. And, and I, I don't know that walleye, Wally the walleye was part of that. They call them bug-eye, Wally the walleye. You need to bring, I'll, I'll send you pictures when I get them, but you can put it in the show notes. So you don't need to bring, bring up a picture of a walleye in the show notes because they're known for their buggy eyes. And it's a strange-looking fish. Well, isn't that, oh, God. Six yeah. pounds, best eating fish. Best eating fish. There's other fish as good. There's none better. Hmm. None better. So we caught so many fish. We, My brother, who's a master at cleaning the fish and as fast as could be, he cleaned those fish up in about an hour and a half. And he caught 25 pounds of filet fish out of those. There was Damn. 19 fish. Yeah. That's a, one of those big giant Salad bowls, a big silver one, about yay big, is uh, two and a half feet across, full of fillets. I got ten two-person servings for dinner. My brother got five four-person servings. So that's ten, twenty quarts of fish. Wow. Quarts yeah. of fish. And we, So when we were on the way out, almost there, my brother Tim, who's like, he says six o'clock. He means six o'clock. He's... He thinks he's going to drop lines at, at, at 6.30. We're dropping lines at 6.30. So we get almost there. I love people like that. And he starts cussing. Son of a bitch. Motherfucker. Yelling. Swearing. Worse things than that. Turns the boat around. Don't make me turn this boat around, kids. I goddamn control for the, the motor up front oh, that damn. you use to motor around in, in, in the water. So it's not a big engine. It's, a, it's like a drifting motor. A drifting and motor. it's real quiet. It's just run by batteries, and you run it with a pedal, with your feet, right, left, so straight ahead, right, yeah. whatever. Well, my brother uses his hands, so what do you say about that, Mr. Smart Alec? Mr. Smarty, pedal means feet. He was, he's Maybe a, a sum. Look, I've What's got nothing against hand pedals. You pedlers. need to look beyond what you think something is. It's not just a step. It's a board to the future. A board to the future. You're bored In the present. about the future. <laughs> You're bored now. You'll always be bored. <laughs> um, I'm chairman of the board. Nice. That uh, sounds like a jolly old time. And then you drove back, and now you're back to work. Yeah, we went. We took a walk on the beach. I picked up some unusual uh, driftwood and some stones. I'm going to dry it out, and I try to find things that, if you put a little eyeball on them, they'll look like some kind of a beast, a fish or an alligator or a, or a chicken. Or I found a piece of driftwood. I'll show you this one. A piece of driftwood, when you hold it up, it looks exactly like a, a tugboat. Just like a tugboat. 
That doesn't need anything. I might throw some varnish on it. And then just put oh, it somewhere in your house to collect the dust. I'll put, I have a wooden box here in my office underneath my chair that's about 14 inches by uh, 8 inches wide. Which is where you keep the driftwood? Deep. It's big enough for driftwood and the stones I collected. It's my granddaughter's special box. Oh. I put stuff. She comes in and she looks in there. It's her own. Treasure chest. What's in, yes. What's in the box? I don't know. Let's go look. Oh, yeah. Look. We get quite a bit of driftwood where I live because, like, I'm right at the mouth of a river. And so there... There's a lot of money in driftwood. Do you know that? No. Huge amounts of money. Yes. Huge amounts of money. Like just Most tucked places, inside or you have to sell it? <laughs> no. Most places don't naturally have access to driftwood, as you might, we may never have thought about it, but it's obviously true. And lots of places don't have access to driftwood, want driftwood, because they're like right. a restaurant motif that's seafood, or like they're doing their backyard with ropes and little replicas of America's famous lighthouses. You've seen these things. Yeah. So it's what middle Americans do is they, you pull in their driveway and instead of a regular fence, it's two inch knotted rope that they got off some pier somewhere and the window is shaped like a like a window on a ship but they go yeah. nautical yeah they're in it's landlocked iowa or whatever but they have a nautical theme <laughs> well what if you're a what if you're a, you run a bar and you want some some different stuff in there you take two or three pieces of driftwood and screw it together so it sort of looks like what a, a penguin Mermaid. or a walrus or a something just with some screws put it up on freaking for sale you get 185 250 bucks for it. It'll take it if you've got a lot of access to driftwood. So think about it. This could be how your kids make enough money that you could quit working. Just make your kids work. They could be like NCAA athletes. Living the dream. Exactly. You guys aren't allowed to put anything into your accounts. Right. Because you're not old enough yet. So it all has to go into daddy's account. And what are you still doing standing around? Go out and find some more driftwood. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Driftwood is just... Like pieces that fell off trees. What's uh, not necessarily? There could be pieces of ships that wrecked. It could okay. be docks that have fallen apart. It could be logs being rolled up the river. There's a couple got away. Oak could boards be, from certainly. steps. For what? Oak boards that fell off of a step somehow. For just for steps. That's all you can think of. No, that's where they came from. They could have come from or walls they, or tables. Or did they come from the? Or did they come from the foundry? Should we go back to the beginning of the boards? Or do you want to start where you're using them to support you? Is it about you or is it about the wood? Supporting you in a subordinate position when the tree is your physical and mental superior. The tree. Smarter than you. Stronger than you. Certainly older than you. The thing about the foundry is you've got your founders, but then... Oftentimes, the founders have to report to the board, right? So it's... Back to the board. Now you're thinking. That's what I mean. Now you're thinking. Back to the board. That's the origin of the board. Yeah. you got to report to the board, man. It's the board's decision. So so picture a long table with a bunch of chairs and all these staff people that are lined up to work at the foundry. And then at the head of it, there's this oak board with arms and eyes and a nose. Little googly eyes. Who are you, chairman of the board? Hey, what is he? He's not a chair, though. The board has a chair. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about the chair, not the board. Okay. It's the chair. The chair has little googly eyes, which makes him a chairman. Yes, or a chairwoman, chairperson, to be perfectly correct about it. Yes, 
chairperson. Yeah. The mind reels. The mind reels. Like a with like the, a fish. With the possibilities of it. Pulling your line. Yeah. So I am going on vacation for oh. two weeks. Wow. And I don't know how it's going to affect our recording schedule. You coming to the States? I'm not. I'm Where going, going to the deep, deep south of Spain to Sevilla in Sevilla. Andalusia, which is basically it's almost on the south coast of Spain. From the north coast, it's a nine-hour drive to south. A beach trip? No, they don't have beaches there. It's a culture trip. It's a very... Could be the third most important city in Spain, culturally, maybe, after Madrid and Barcelona. Barcelona. Like, they have... Let's just say they have a U.S. consulate there. Well, um, let's just say. It is. So it, Are you saying it because it's true? <laughs> I am. It is true. <laughs> then why did you... <laughs> What did you say? No, that, it, Let's just say. I it's mean, an important... As if, I mean, what, what you meant to say was, for example, not, right. not, not... Well, it's let's just say that I got a million dollars. That's the way you'd start a story. Right. Let's just say that I'm driving down the street in a Porsche, and right. there I am, whatever. But no, that's not... I apologize actually, for my rhetorical blunder. Well, we had an extra day between podcasts. This was an extra... Yes. Because we did last week's on Tuesday. Yes. You're rusty. That's all it is. And you won't know this, but my podcast editing software, like, they they keep adding new features all the time, and sometimes they break shit. And this week, they broke the my ability to edit last week's podcast. And I reported a bug, and it took a couple of days to get back to me. And anyway, I just, before we started this recording, published last week's, which is supposed to go out on Friday, but it was late. So, it, so I'm very aware of all of our conversation about movies and stuff, and that you were going away. I don't know if... Maybe I can take my little mic and we can try and have a conversation next week, but there's a possibility that we have a little when do you drought. Leave? I leave on Friday. Week? Yep. And I'm gone until June, July 8th. So it, um, coming back for my second Pfizer shot. Got my first right. one last week. Last week. And, okay, so let me tell you this story. This is so fucking stupid that it's entertaining. So I was in and out of the local doctor's office uh, recently because my my daughter had to get her 12-year-old vaccination revision stuff. And my son was also going through some... What was his problem? Some allergies or something. And so I had been in and out of the doctor's office. And I've been watching that they have this whole big room in the doctor's office that's marked Pfizer vaccines. And in there, there are three people standing around doing nothing. And if you're outside in the waiting area, sometimes they will come out and they will say, sir, are you waiting for the vaccine? And I said no a bunch of times. And anyway, I went into one of the times I was there because I was bored because I was waiting because doctor's office, doctors make you wait. I knocked on the door in there and before I could say anything, they said, what's your name? And they looked at their list and I said, no, I'm not on the list. I was just wondering, it's my understanding that you guys are going sequentially through from 50 year olds down to 40 year olds, calling people and telling them to come and get their vaccine. And I was wondering what age you are at this point, just to have some idea. And they said, they didn't, they couldn't answer me directly. And they said, well, how old are you? And I said, um, 42. And they said, oh, no, 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 you you go away. You can't. <laughs> you they, said we're, I know we're not that. down to that yet. Fuck. Right. <laughs> so where and are young, you on the list? Young whippersnapper. Fuck, yeah. ask somebody if you don't know. So all these, 
so there's these three people in there just sitting around talking, doing nothing, looking for something to do with, with their job. And so anyway, I, then I go and I get, for some reason, I have to go from the, from my daughter's doctor to the, to the main reception area to get an appointment for some other thing. And so I have to, there's this thing where you get a number and, and it takes 30 minutes to be called. And finally I got in there and I was talking to the, to one receptionist who was making my appointment and the other lady in there was actively making phone calls saying, hi, Mr. So-and-so, I'm calling you to, that it's your time to come and get your COVID vaccine, blah, blah, blah. And I mentioned to the gal that was doing my paperwork, I said, man, I, I, I cannot wait to get that phone call. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, how old are you? And I said, 42. And she, and she said, oh, no, never mind then. And I said, what about my 44-year-old wife? Can she get one? And she said, no, see, actually what we're doing is we're going through odd numbers first. So 43, 45, 41, 40, 47. What? And then we're going to do the even ones. What sense does this make? No. But so I was like, fuck, oh, never mind. Why would they do that? Stupid. Somebody thought it would... Be fair? Be more fair. But it's less fair. It's How stupid. is that fair? It's less no. fair. It's, it's less fair. It's really fucking stupid. So You've this waited is, 42 years, and somebody who's only waited 41 years so, like, is ahead of you. Exactly. I'm like, do we have to have a fight out in the streets to see who is... Give, I don't me, know. give me the name and number of who I can call. I'm going to advocate for you. I told you to take me with you. Yes. These doctor's appointments and stuff, virtually. So anyway... When they give you shit like this, just hand them the phone. So I, so I was, you know, all crestfallen, and I was like, well, damn it. Oh, well. And so she kept on doing typey-type on my other thing. And then she looked up at me, and she said, wait, have you already turned 42 this year, or are you going to turn 43 this year? And I said, I'm going to turn 43 this year, and my wife's going to turn 45 this year. And she said, oh, well, in that case, let me give you an appointment. No <laughs> shit. And, and so she said, hold on, let me, this is more important. Let me put aside this thing I've been doing for your daughter and crank out these two appointments for you and your wife a week from now. She gave them to me eight days away. And and I was just delighted from sure. crestfallen to over the moon. And then she finished up the other thing. And that's how it came to be that, oh, and also, so they gave us this, our appointments at 11.30 a.m. And she, she said, I'll give you and your wife the five minutes to part or whatever in the appointments. And I was like, okay, that's great. And so my wife takes that morning off of work, but because I've been observing how they are just bored to tears in there, and also my daughter's sixth grade graduation ceremony was happening at 11 that morning. We went in early. We went in at 9.30. Just showed up. Just showed up. And we were on the list later in the day, and they were like, oh yeah, fine, sit down, ping pong, ping pong, and you're done. Yeah. And you. Isn't that smart? Yeah. You've gone from, uh, gone from worried and concerned to... To, to shot in the arm. Inoculated. Welcome to the inoculation group. Station. <laughs> yeah. Inoculation station. Yeah. No, inoculation nation. There you go. There it is. Welcome to inoculation nation. The I've heard someone refer to, so like, in theory, I'm not totally vaccinated yet until two weeks after my second dose or something like that. No, you're actually vaccinated. You're not inoculated for two weeks. Okay. But I've heard someone refer to when you get totally inoculated that you are vaccinated. Let's hope it's true. Let's so. hope it's true. So we got 67% of the adult population over the age of 27 with at least one shot in their arm in the U.S. Congratulations. And the holdoffs, the standoffs right now are the 18 to 26-year-olds. 
who may have already had the virus, who aren't that worried about getting the virus because they know people who got it, and so what. Right. And they're actually worried about the vaccine. Oh. And so they're not getting it. And you can read enough credible potential worries that you think, am I one out of 180,000 cases? Maybe. Yeah. I'm, you so know, what's so bad, bad about with, getting the virus? People are so bad with probabilities, though. Like, it's why we're afraid to fly on an airplane, but we don't mind driving in the car because we don't understand the math around things like that and risk and stuff. So also in this time, I guess since we last spoke, COVID has been nearer to my family than, than ever. My daughter's best bestest friend tested positive and they spend all the time together and masks are not always on. And her first, her sister tested positive and then... Uh, and then she and their other sibling also tested positive, and they had to stay at home. Luckily, their parents did not, but they had to stay at home, quarantined, ten days or something, until Two they got a negative test, and they finally did. But that scary. was scary, because how sick did they get? No symptoms whatsoever. Speaking of no symptoms and not getting sick, how about your boy John Ram? Yeah, baby. Jo- Johnny uh-huh. Rami got, got booted right six ahead on Saturday, going into the final day, six strokes ahead. And test positive? Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. If there's ever a case of no symptoms. How about the three guys that were gathered around five and four under who were that were behind him by that much? Right. They were one under, two under, whatever, because they weren't playing great. So the field was left with three players playing their B game. And each one's mistake was matched by another one's mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, mentioned this. and then and I watched that match. It was quite, it was fun. It was competitive as hell. But and then he comes back and he's he bogey free in the back nine in the U.S. Open. Damn. Bogey free. And the First best major. score of the best score of the week was what he had at five under. That's a lot of holes for only five under. The U.S. Open with that long damn second cut of grass. Right. One guy whiffed it. Morikawa. I we mentioned lift it, hit the underneath the ball. It's, oh man, I've done that. Oh. <laughs> I've done that, but how is it that you did it? <laughs> he this was is, beside himself. This is what I love about golf. Unlike any other sport, the top top professionals can fuck up just as bad as your average Joe Blow, Dennis yeah. Eric on the on the golf course. Like in the water, they can, they can make triple bogeys. They can make quintuple bogeys, just like we can. Yep. And uh, Brian DeChambeau had blow-up holes over the top, one sand to another, into the water, and just shaking his head because he forgot how to play for a couple of minutes. Happens to the you best know? of us. And I'm certainly not. I, have I talked to you since I played golf? You played one time where you dropped a bunch of balls and got yes. exhausted and paid for the whole 18, but quit after nine. But only played 27. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what was fun about that, though, was that Generally speaking, one of those three balls would be more or less what I wanted to hit. Right. More or less is the best shot, the shot I wanted. Some of them were excruciatingly difficult because none of them were. Right? It is a hard game. It is a hard game to begin with, but it's particularly hard game if you only play. Well, the first game after a year is never easy. I have not touched clubs in a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's going to be rough. So... You want to quickly touch on my homework that I've done of watching Witches of Eastwick? Oh, yes. What a bizarre... Like... Yeah. I told you that that it was the best incarnation of the devil 
of any of them. What did you think of my analysis? Particularly how it, how he ended that part of his... Yeah, that 80s CGI bit at the end, like, it was... It felt a little bit like some of the monsters in, like, Star Wars. It wasn't yeah. quite stop motion, but it, it was a pretty weird movie. It's these... Weren't, those, weren't the three women at their height of their beauty? Women, yes. Susan Sarandon, Cher, which I've already expressed my not adoration for, in the same year that she that she did Moonstruck, by the way, and Michelle Pfeiffer, who was like 22 or something, just absolutely and Jack gorgeous. Nicholas, one of, one, of his, one of his better roles, I thought. Not necessarily the most demanding role he ever had, but perfectly cast. Perfectly yeah, he cast. was. He played a good werewolf, by the way, and there is uh, remnants of that performance in this, when he was uh, angry and, and became a wolf-like in one right. of his carnations. He's he's good at playing the uh, jerk who is also somehow attractive role, which is in in this movie, Cher is just totally disgusted right. with him and all of his chauvinistic opinions and stuff. And and then he says, are you going to kiss me or what? And that line works when it never does in real life. And just, yeah, it, I can see how it can, how it's a classic movie of that time. So and I asked you specifically to check the performance of Richard Jenkins. Yes, he was very, it was very obvious to me, which he was after seeing him so much in Cajillionaire. Yeah, he, and his poor wife that was all, all crazy. Yeah, his performance sort was, of. but that's sort his character. Like, he's the, not... Regular Joe. He's just a regular he's, schmuck. He's a, he's a regular schmuck. I was thinking, like, is he like George Costanza? But no, he's, George has more... No, he's, he's much more innocent than George Costanza. He's just a vanilla he's, white dude. He's just unassuming. And he's the foil for the extremeness that's going on around him. How'd you like the, the acting immediately after the murder? When he sat back down at the fireplace and smoothed over the page of the book he was looking at and resumed looking at the book in front of the fireplace. You mentioned this, and I don't recall that scene. Are you thinking of uh, another movie, or am I just no, a doofus? No. He beat her to death with a fireplace poker, and the beginning of the scene, he was trying to read, review, like an Autobahn book, a big book in his lap, and she was distracting him. He said he just wanted to read. She got wilder and wilder, started puking cherries. He ended yeah. up, she was crazy. He ended up fucking beating her to death with the fucking poker from the fireplace. Set the poker down, couldn't believe what he did for just a second, and then blinked his eyes twice, and then sat back down in his chair, picked up his book, flattened out the page, found his place, Get and relaxed. Good. <laughs> Yeah, the, the cherry. He wanted to have another cherry. Jack Nicholas would say, "Have another cherry." Yeah, that's the the weird sort of voodoo-y stuff. Um, laugh and you won't hit the ground. Yeah, yeah. Wow, damn, you have that's a memory. That's Peter Panish. It is very that's Peter Panish. Peter Panish. It's very, very, very yes, Panish. And I love the babies at the end. Daddy oh, comes through on the and the height of what you could imagine the richest person possibly having in the mid-80s, was this wall of these CRT televisions yeah. that were all connected in a way so that you could see one big image, even though, like, it, it really looks terrible. Like, it doesn't look like one big image, but imagine if you could have all of these 25-inch televisions, but, like, five-by-five five grid of them. 
then it, it would be like you had a big TV. That was like the, the height of luxury. The, the height at the time. Right. Yeah. That, that, well, that I'm glad you. I'm glad you liked it. And the what I loved about it was the way that he dressed. Yes. Old style tuxedos, Western tuxedo ties, ruffled shirts, and the great scene when he's sent off by the women who are conniving behind his back to get ice cream and a couple of other things, and he's wearing a pink, beautiful pink pants and this glorious pink raincoat and is driving, getting driven around by his, his servant in his Rolls Royce. It's and very physical stuff for Jack Nicholson. And he was he 50 was really years old. Kind of that, and though he was so good at acting out when he rolled into the church and was spinning out feathers and puking cherries. Yes, and, that was very physical. I mean, he was just just very good. And that, that, that part of the role was, was taxing, I think. To get that right, you'd have to be you'd have to be Jack Nicholson. Who else could do that role like that? Yeah, he, he's a unique indiv- individual for sure. I, I can't imagine he's a very nice guy in person, just from the roles that he's played. But that's, that's judgmental kind of, of me. Funny to say that's that's weird. I don't. I think Jack Nicholson has a great reputation as a great guy. Does he? Okay. Yes, a good guy to hang around. With he's got to be funny for sure. Well, he's got to be hilarious. He's no Bill Murray. Stories but, uh, he could tell. Yeah. Yeah, what well, a Bill Murray is understated. Right. Although he does have a certain clown aspects and mannerisms that are not exactly subtle. Did you? Bill Murray is the kind of a guy who would do a Groucho Marx move and walk up to you and grab your arm and put his leg over your arm, as if you were trying to lift him. That's a Groucho Marx move. Bill Murray would do that. And I mentioned the word. I called someone beloved today. I don't know who it was, but that's how he began his Mark Twain. Yes, thank you. I've seen that. By saying thank you, thank you, and then looking at the audience and saying, I've been thinking about what it means to be beloved. And it was so serious. Yes. So serious. He really More than he's ever been. To, he didn't really come back to it. Right. He just then was funny. Yeah, that's a great that's a great YouTube video. I will link to that in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash one one six. And another great one of those is Will Ferrell. Oh, God, where he drops the Mark Twain <laughs> statue, drops it on the He's like, this is the, best, this is the best award ever, and he shatters it on the... Right. Nobody expected that. Bill Murray passed his around. Right. It went up and down the rows. He said, this is pretty heavy. You guys, here, take a look. Pass it. They pass it all through the rows. Bill Murray, wasn't he the one who was... No, it was Will Ferrell, who looked up at his wife yeah. and started complaining about her. And how yeah. awful she was, <laughs> and how difficult it was to be married to her. That'll it be the was, Oh, that's funny. Did you? And I, I, I'd raised this before, but you've seen his uh, graduation speech. Was it USC? Uh, Will maybe uh, Will Ferrell's commencement speech. He did. The, he was the right. commencement speaker at a maybe ceremony. I have. I've seen a lot within of stuff the past like that. five years. It's worth seeing. He tells the stories of college days. That nice. What he did and how he just started showing up places to be weird would show up as a cadaver somewhere you know i'm pretty excited i just discovered that he has a new tv show uh starring him and paul rudd who is also a comic genius and it's set in the 70s and paul rudd is a psychologist that helps will ferrell's character i've seen the trailer it it's called something like the shrink next door or something like that and it's netflix or what sorry it's only on apple tv plus I'm afraid for uh, you. So 
if someone in your house owns an iPad that is purchased recently, they might have that grandfathered into them. That maybe you can watch that. It's coming out. Uh, in like, you know, it's coming out in September or something. I've actually got some fresh money coming in, so I'm going to be back on the plus side. Yeah, got a deal. I'll tell you about sometime. Is this related to our it's, call uh, before you left? No. Okay. No, not at all. In okay. fact, I no, okay. No, Good. Just, I did hear back from them. At least they did what other companies and associations and firms don't do. After two weeks, they say, "We know you're wondering what's going on with your." application and they told you and they gave you a no that's not so nice no no they just said we've gotten a lot of interest we're going to take our time we figure we'll be back in touch in about two weeks nice just setting expectations is so important because a lot of a lot of things like that they just ghost you and you never hear back from them not only is it professional but it's very kind it's very personable it's sympathetic exactly did you speaking of it's almost automatic poetic because you get the email and you open the email, it goes whoosh, and then the title and that is, feels good, whoosh, right? Whoosh, that's whoosh. not that means, but it might be a little bit until we talk. I don't know. We'll be in touch over the emails and see what we can get to heaven. Did you get a chance to watch that video I sent you about uh, British versus English humor? Yes. Yes. Speaking, we were, we're speaking of, of Bill only- Murray. And it came yes. to me. This is a great video. It's Stephen Fry, who I'm a huge fan of from the UK. And he like he got his career started as a comedy sketch duo with Hugh Laurie of Dr. House fame. And now Hugh Laurie is like a blues pianist. But he gave this really great description of the difference between British humor and American humor. And it all it rang pretty true to me. Um, right. I, I probably Where the knew... American is the wisecracker. Right. And who comes out on top by saying the Brit is a sh- the Brit is a slup, right? Who is always losing, but is and but yet is proud of doing so. Who wants to be more than his station, which like the Brits still more so than the Americans even have this sort of class system where you belong in your in your place, and like in America we have this American dream of where anyone can grow up in the worst neighborhood and if they have a clever enough idea then they can sell it and become a millionaire. In England, they there's not this sense of that much class mobility, which I think is more true. Like I think the American dream is more of a lie than than like most people stay more or less in their same class in general statistically, I think, but I could be wrong. The great example he gave was in Animal House Jim Belushi comes into a party right. and there's a, a man playing a guitar and he grabs a guitar from him and in the American vein of humor smashes the card to bits and then looks at the camera and raises his eyebrows up and down and nice. he says and the Brit comedian would want to be the guy playing the guitar yes that was perfect he must have already it's had that thought out ordinate, ordinate and subordinate indeed so, what roles do we have? A, 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 A type versus B type. What? Alpha. American Alpha. Not so much. British Bravo. A British Alpha may not even exist. You're more of a Charlie. Alpha Charlie Alpha. Alpha, Alpha Bravo. Do you know Bravo. him? Do you know Charlie Alpha? Runs no. at a I know Papa farm equipment store in Springville, New York. Hmm. I've never been to Springville, New York. Uh, that's Sorry. Not. That's not. <laughs> when, How's your arm? It's doing better. You seem to be moving it around a bit. I'm stretching. 
I'm stretching. I still need to order my new desk and my new chair. This chair is not good anymore. You've convinced me to get a new chair. I want to thank you for that. You got a new chair recently. It's, it's too high. It's a great side chair or a chair for a high table, and it's got a place to put your legs for mm -hmm. a high table, and it spins really nicely. It's greatly formed, but it's too high. I had to put a box and then yeah, a printer face computer. This rickety tower that you were, your computer was sitting on. It's not rickety. It's not rickety. Oh, come on. It's a solid box and a solid ream of paper. It's not rickety. I think it's pretty okay. rickety. It's not rickety. I mean, the times it's we've not, had to cut and start over again because your computer fell no, off onto the floor. No. That was maybe dropping a beer huh, yeah. on the computer. It was windy. Yeah, so going to spend some money on that. Actually, I'm, my, I'm currently debating. So there's this coworker of my wife's who loves woodworking. Like, he adores doing anything in his wood shop. I actually, when my parents were visiting, maybe last, they actually got, we went to his house and we looked inside his wood shop and it was just full, the walls were full of all of these different little intricately carved pieces of wood. And he, he's starved for ideas. He wants stuff to build for somebody. And sometimes like a couple to, he's given us some, some wooden spoons and forks like for cooking that he's made. Uh, he made a cutting board just because he was bored and didn't know what else, no pun intended, to didn't know what to make. And other people at her at their work, he's made like a headboard for, for a bed. But like, it's all for free. He's He doesn't want money, he just wants to scratch this itch that he has to build something with wood. And like, I'm so unimaginative, I don't, I can't think of a lot of things to build with wood, but... Driftwood. <laughs> it's worth a lot of money in Iowa, I've heard. <laughs> and in other landlocked places that are starved for some good little driftwood. And, but so it occurred to me, what if I had him build my desktop that I then put onto a a standing desk motor system for my new desk? But standing desk motor system? Do you, are you aware of standing desks? Yes. What's the motor system? So you press a button and it goes up and down. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. But All I've right. seen some that have got an exercise... Uh, component built in bike pedals huh. yeah the however this the same place that makes the the desk that i want to buy also has a, a manual thing where there's just this sort of lever that you pull but like it's done with hydraulics so that it's easy to lift up and down no matter how much crap you have on your desk i've seen those but i quite remarkable it's pretty clever engineering anyway there's this local firm that that makes these that makes chairs and desks and stuff that is just super hyper local that I visited a while back. I'm sure I mentioned it. And so I want to get a, the chair from there. And, and I considered having this wife's coworker making, making the top, but he says he doesn't have access to wood that is big enough. So it would have to be two pieces glued together. So there would be a line down the middle of it. But so I, have a, I, have, I have a picture I may be able to post you of a hunk of hickory off a tree one slice of hickory that makes a table, a dining room table, that's four feet wide by eight feet long. Wow. One piece of wood. Hickory, four inches thick. Four foot by eight foot. You tell your buddy, your buddy about that yeah. piece of wood. He would drool. I always thought Dr. Pud was the hunk of hickory, but so yeah, it would have to be, it would have to be glued together, but again, what he would be giving me is you know real wood whereas the desk manufacturer place is going to give me this compressed pulp right. particle crap. board yeah particle board particle board particle board everybody's making out a particle board 
Put it together, it falls apart. Particle board. You know that song. Interesting. Very particle good. man, particle man. He can't do it, nobody can. He meets a man at a man and particle man. Bump, bump. I'm impressed. I be giants. Yes, indeed. That I went through a TMBG phase in, in high school. It, they're a garage band. They're a bizarre band. It's just it's a garage band. But they play huge stadiums. Like well, they're super they, successful. They hit it big, but so did Nirvana. They were a garage band too. So was Pearl Jam. Grunge. They were a garage band. Yes. Gar garage and grunge. Yes. Okay. Okay. Art, leads to another all bands start out as uh, as garage bands. Garage bands. Which is why uh, the no last episode you were telling me about how how Linda Ronstadt brought the Eagles together. Yeah. So that's sometimes was, that happens. She, she, yeah, that's how the monkeys got together too. So I I learned a weird fact this morning that apparently, how many blimps do you think there are in the world? Like the Goodyear blimp. Blimps. Five. There are twenty-five total blimps in the entire world. Only oh. half of them are operational. And I don't know. That just seems like a, a low number. Twenty-five like, half why? operational. And one of them is only half operational. But what I a, mean. it seems strange that the dirigible, like, we can't think of a use for for dirigibles other than as a billboard above sporting events. That just seems seems odd to me. But well, its original purpose was transportation, but right, that certainly is outdated. It's a uh, yeah, it's going to be super slow for transportation. You might say but, the same thing about. It's funny that we can't think of a better use for air balloons. It's funny that they're relegated now to joy rides at festivals. That's too bad, because otherwise they would have high utility. Yeah, well, your morning commute. Back in the day, they didn't have airplanes. <laughs> they didn't have airplanes. But if you were Jeff Bezos, why wouldn't you like suspend an air mansion by a couple dirigibles and go and live yeah. just off the coast somewhere uh, in the exactly. air? There's two and things. Just two hang things out there. I want to say about that. Number one, one of the reasons you'll never be as rich as Jeff Bezos is because you think about asking that question. Number two, if you ever got very rich, it's exactly what you would do with all of your money. <laughs> until you were, until you were broke again, you said, "I may be broke, but at least I'm strung above the heavens with four dirigibles moved together." <laughs> and you probably named them in your amazing. Right. Heroic, dramatic fashion. Dirigible one, dirigible two, dirigible three. The fourth one, I, I'm yes. having trouble naming. Yeah, we'll just it go, almost goes without saying. Almost goes without saying. Yeah. So it, what I, what got me into this was talking about the bands, and so I went and I was looking into the general term is airship, and one of the categories of airship that exists is the zeppelin, which is more of a hard. Like the the skeleton of it is more rigid than than a, it's rigid until it catches on fire. Sure, if you yeah, you need to not fill it with hydrogen. But yes, but so then I I jumped just in my Wikipedia hopping, I jumped over to Led Zeppelin, and I was wondering about the origin of the name of the band, and it said that um, Keith Moon, the drummer for the Who, I think, when he was talking to Jimmy Page, and Jimmy Page was saying that he was gonna he was gonna start a band, and Keith said, uh, yeah, that's gonna go over like a lead balloon obviously and and they swapped balloon for for zeppelin because that's a cool word and they changed the spelling of lead to avoid any but mispronunciations 
because the saying at the time was not just that'll go over like a lead balloon. There was a saying at the time that would go over like a Led Zeppelin. The term Led Zeppelin predated the band Led Zeppelin by many years. You can look that up. Do it right now. I got time. Huh. Get to work. I know I'm right about this. Mm. Just look up. When did the term Led Zeppelin come into use? Or that'll go over like a Led Zeppelin. That would be more accurate. Grunge.com. The truth about how Led Zeppelin got their name. As recounted by Mick Wall, Countess Eva von Zeppelin, whose ancestor Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin invented the eponymous airship, verbally torched Led Zeppelin over its name. No. So, yes, they, they got sued by the von Zeppelin family, but it didn't go anywhere in court. So that lawsuit went over like a... Indeed. Uh-huh. Led Zeppelin rose from the ashes of a band called the Yardbirds, where great guitarists went before becoming famous elsewhere. The original lineup included Eric Clapton. Later, Incarnation replaced Clapton with Jeff Beck and added Jimmy Page into the fold. Yet the Yardbirds folded in 1968. Calling themselves the New Yardbirds, they wanted to fly in a different direction from the band's previous incarnations, but a member of the Who joked that the only direction they were headed was down. (coughs) Drummer Keith Moon jokes that their idea would sink like a lead balloon. Sorry, man. No, I never questioned what Keith Moon said. I'm simply saying that the same year that Keith Moon was using the phrase that goes over like a lead balloon we in the states were saying that goes over like a lead zeppelin that term lead zeppelin aka lead balloon predated the name of the band regardless of what Keith Moon says no afraid you're not right about this the, the search term lead zeppelin with an a only ever refers to this Keith Moon story. Huh. Sorry, nice try. Well, in my experience... (laughs) Your theory flew about as well as a a dead Yardbird. The new Yardbird, say. Wow. Such a terrible name. Yardbirds. Yeah. They... The Yardbirds are not in the... Well, as a band, are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As individuals, most of them are. Eight miles high. Da, 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 da. Is that the Yardbirds? I have no idea. Eight miles high. No. Who's that? It's by the birds. The birds. Not the Yardbirds. Nice try, though. They weren't in the yard. They were out back. Yeah, they were in the sky, man. Flying high. Eight miles high. Hey. Hey. How high were you when you wrote that song? Hey. Eight miles high. Speaking of eight miles, how about Eight Mile Road? I heard Eminem, the radio. I was driving home from New York and was 1.2 miles from my exit and got stuck in traffic for an hour. 1.2 miles. Ouch. From my exit. One hour. And uh, one of the tunes, once the... I got off the throughway and took the back roads from Ohio all the way into Michigan, going through the back roads. Eminem was one of the tunes that came up, and a remarkable song. I just, I loved it with a woman singer. It, I don't have you seen the movie, Eight Mile I've, Road? Uh, it's called Eight Mile. Um, Eight Mile. I have seen Kim it. Bas- yes. Kim Bassinger plays his mother. Right. Yes. In a, in a surprising uh, 
surprising role at the time. What a performer. What a songwriter. His, I dug it. I, every once in a while, I'll go and put on some, some Eminem. And it's so fast and intellectual that I can't do anything other than it. just pay total attention yeah, to yeah. his mouth. Yeah. Because it's not a thing that I can get work done while I'm listening to like many songs. But right. it's just, right. I, I open up my, my Apple Music player has a lyrics feature that you can pull up and it'll show you the lyrics of what's being sung at the moment. And I am just mesmerized. Like, I can't do anything else when I'm singing because it's just so fucking fast. It's yeah. And the, just when you think he's put five words in, in a second in a way that couldn't possibly be that fast, he, then he puts ten in the next second. And it's just, but all yeah. perfectly pronounced. So, like, yeah. just wild. And I, I don't, the only thing I ever hear about him is about his music. Unlike a lot, of, a lot of other very wealthy uh, artists, who you hear a lot about other stuff that's going on, you never heard. He, he's, he's not just tweeting hear about his music. At least that's yeah, right. That's and the case with me. You mean you're famous for your podcasts, and no one else knows anything about <laughs> know. the rest of your life. It's at least twenty twenty two people, including eighteen four year olds. <laughs> who, who think yeah. so? Hey, hey! Our first merch item could be like a coloring book. Oh, the, where you're like, where you're coloring bourbon bottles. Get out your brown crayons. Huh? You there like you it? Go. Some red for some for some for some red ales. Um, Thematics. Thematics. And uh, frame it with shit rolls up on the beach. Yeah. Driftwood. Driftwood, official happy hour podcast. Driftwood merch. Over by the driftwood, oh, I sat one day. Water's rushing in all around, and then it goes away. When it comes up to my knees, I say, Lord, let me be. But we all got certain trials burning up inside. Don't sit me in a mantle by the river. A mantle is something I don't want to be. I'm flying awash like the driftwood and driftwood is the loneliest place to be yeah man drifting like wood okay that's it for episode number 116 you can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 116 you can send us tweets and things we're happy hour dotfm on twitter and you can help support this show by going to patreon.com slash happy hour and you know just invest in driftwood see you next week